It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on February 12th, 2018. Just 20 days until the LA Galaxy will kick off against the Portland Timbers at home for the kickoff of the 2018 season. So uh, days rapidly ticking down as we get closer and closer to that date. Uh, LA Galaxy played their first preseason game in Southern California, their second overall, uh, improved their record 1-1 as they beat New York City FC 3-0. We will, of course, talk about that game and all the little bits and extras that will follow that. And Galaxy have a busy week ahead as they will play a game up in Santa Barbara on Thursday against Fresno FC, and then they will head back down on Saturday. Uh, the face-off against the San Jose Earthquakes at the Orange County Great Park, and I don't need to remind you, but that is the Corner of the Galaxy Open House on February 17th as well, so we'll have more details about that before we're done. All right, let's uh, let's not waste any more time. He's on the East Coast, so technically he's living in the future by at least three hours. Uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter, how are you feeling today, buddy? I'm doing well. It's very cold here. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina with the Kings, and a couple things about hockey uh, the nets are a lot smaller than they are in soccer, really yes. small. Yes. I don't know how they get the puck in there. Um, and the other thing is there's a lot of uh, Eastern European players whose name I can't pronounce either. So it uh, is similar in soccer in that regard. I was going to say I you, also, sh- you should feel I also right have at a home. white BMW rental car, so I'm rocking the white Beamer out here. <laughs> That's Kevin. I told Kevin he could have a BMW in Southern California too. Um, and Kevin, you said no but because then you'd have to trade in your Man City mobile, right? Well, the other part is I couldn't afford it either, but, uh, you know, it's a rental car and I have a lot of status with national, so I got upgraded. You are the big man on campus there. Well, we're glad that you could have, of course, uh, tune in and, and join us. I know you caught uh, some of this, sh- some of the game on Saturday night. I, of course, was at the stadium. Um, so the LA Galaxy win three to nothing. Uh, the starters, and we'll call them starters, uh, go 45 minutes because they were absolutely the starting lineup in this time. Um, you know, score one goal against a New York City team who had most of their starters, Kevin, play against LAFC the day before. Uh, and I think there were three regulars on the starting uh, 11 for New York City. So uh, in the ter- in terms of how important all of this is, it's not important at all what the score was, um, but it was good to see the Galaxy get on the field uh, to score some goals and, 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 get, and get a victory. I mean, it's nice. I, I think somebody said, hey, if you, were used, if you liked what happened last year, you would have been pretty disappointed because the Galaxy actually won a game at home. Um, so, you know, it's preseason. It doesn't mean a lot, Kevin, but we, we got to start somewhere, right? Well, it means nothing, but it means everything. It means nothing in the score. And in fact, uh, as we'll talk about later, uh, when the Galaxy or when New York City FC went down a man, the Galaxy had an 11-10 advantage. Uh, the Galaxy was actually more upset than New York City FC because all of a sudden it's an exhibition game where you try to test yourself. And now all of a sudden that's gone out the window because you're playing 11 on 10. Um, so that was bad, but the good thing is, so, you know, the, the point is the teams really didn't care about the score and there was a couple of goals late that probably came because New York city was just exhausted by that point. Um, but there, but it does mean everything. And because you're, you're starting to build some chemistry, this is a brand new team. Remember, they're going to have maybe five to six brand new starters, guys that weren't on the team when Ziggy joined it last July. Some of those guys weren't even on the team, uh, at Christmas time. So, it's a brand new team, and you did see a lot of good things. I, I thought that there was some uh, 
chemistry between Alessandrini and, and Ola Kamara, which is huge because those guys are going to uh, obviously uh, have a lot to say about how successful this team is this year. So that looked good, too. I thought Gio was kind of in the mix a little bit more. Yes. Um, uh, there just seemed to be a lot of good things on the attacking end. And remember, um, everybody's not there yet. Um, uh, Sebastian Legette played 35 minutes and is starting to play himself into shape. Um, I, I don't think he has any problem with the foot anymore. Right now, it's just a matter of fitness, and and that's starting to come. Whether it'll be there by opening day, I don't know, but it's getting better. Um, and the, the Galaxy showed some depth. Um, there was just a lot of good things that came out of that game that had no bearing on the score at all. Yeah, it, it was. Listen, let me give you the starting lineup so that way you can uh, play along at home in case you completely missed it and you're using us for your entire source of LA Galaxy news, which I, I would say, come on, watch. That's the, a that, big mistake. That's a, yeah, don't do that. Watch some games, all right? Uh, David Bingham in goal, Rolf Felcher at right back. You have Michael Ciani and uh, and Jorgen Schelvik in the center, and that was the change from the previous game. Michael Ciani taking over for Daniel Starr We'll talk a little bit about whether or not we think this is a shift in philosophy for Siggy Schmidt on this. Uh, you had Ashley Cole, who is the captain listed on this uh, on this particular sheet, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. Uh, Perry Kitchen was playing that defensive midfielder role, Jonathan Dos Santos in the center. Uh, Roman Alessandrini out on the right-hand side. Giovanni Dos Santos sitting up in on top of uh, uh, of this formation, um, right underneath Ola Kamara, who was, the, uh, who was the starter up top, and Emmanuel Boateng is on the left. That is how the Galaxy actually lifted, listed all the and they did list Giovanni Dos Santos as a midfielder. So if you were going by what they had listed, you had a 4-5-1 technically, um, where I think we would agree it's probably a 4-3 or 4-2-3-1 is probably more how we're, we're going to define that. But nonetheless, that's well, sort of it, how they it, had in there. It, it does kind of look like a diamond midfield, though, with Perry Kitchen at one point and Gio at the other point. And then Jonathan in the middle of the diamond. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it does it's a five-man kind of diamond. That. Yeah, it's a five-man yeah. diamond instead of a four-man diamond. I, I agree with that. And there certainly is, uh, again, Kevin, you and I touched on this. There is some fluidity in this in terms of Roman Alessandrini suddenly showing up in the center of the field where uh, where Giovanni Dos Santos was. And, you know, even uh, even uh, Emmanuel Boateng cutting through the center and Giovanni Dos Santos floating out to the left-hand side. You know, Ola Kamara starting runs on the far right-hand side or the far left-hand side. I like the variety and the looks that they're able to sort of provide right now. And here's the thing. You, you talk about this being a new lineup, and you're, you're right. There's a, there's a bunch of new players. The majority of those players, though, are on defense. The only sort of guy who they're really trying to work into the mix on that offensive side is Ola Kamara. And we saw in that RSL game, he was sort of passed around instead of uh, included. And in this game, and, and certainly talking to Ola after the game as well, you could tell he looked more comfortable. There was some fluidity and, and some familiarity being bred there with Roman Alessandrini, uh, Giovanni Dos Santos. There were a lot of people, Kevin, and I think maybe this is the default position for some people, who were just bashing on Giovanni Dos Santos in this game again, saying that he didn't do anything. And I thought he was active. Um, I thought he was engaged, and quite honestly, he had a couple shots. He had one shot for sure that he probably should have done a little bit better with. Roman Alessandrini missed him on a wide-open cutback in the middle of the box after Roman did some dancing along the end line that was, uh, uh, if I can say so myself, Kevin, sexy as hell. Because <laughs> um, it was, it was just, it, it was a beautiful thing to watch right along the touchline and, and being able to pull that back. So there were things there that that all these signs point to good things. And and for the majority of the, that first forty five minutes, Kevin, there there was it was eleven v eleven. So you can take, you know, with a small grain of salt, understanding the quality of the New York City roster that was starting, um, that the Galaxy did dominate that first half with possession, even you know eleven v eleven, and then you know obviously ten versus eleven as well. 
Well, a couple of things there. Um, you say only, uh, uh, you know, Kamara is the only guy they need to work in. He's a pretty big only. I mean, he is sort of the, 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 the linchpin to this team, I think, in a lot of ways. This is the forward they wanted. This They needed a forward. This is the guy they wanted uh, of everyone they could have gotten. Uh, and they need to make sure that uh, that he becomes a big part of that offense. Um, so it, it, you know, it not really just only uh, in Kamara's uh, case. But the other thing is you talked about Gio and Alessandrini, you know, roaming around. Alessandrini, I think, is far more effective when he can go wherever he wants to go. And he showed that last year. He he isn't a guy that's going to sit on one side of the field. He, you know, he's fairly decent with both feet. He'll move around. He'll come in from one side or the other. And that causes a lot of problems for defenses and, and goalkeepers because you can flood one side of the field and overwhelm the defense. And then the goalkeeper doesn't know, is this – Ball coming right-footed is coming left-footed. Which way is it going to spin? You know, which way is it going to bend? It just it raises a lot of questions and makes things really complicated. The drawback to that, in my opinion, for the Galaxy is that Geo doesn't stay home either. Um, Geo roams around, and and if he's not being effective, sometimes he he tends to, in my I don't know what other word to use, he tends to kind of sulk. And if he's being ignored and being passed around, sometimes he'll just basically stand in midfield and it looks like he's not interested in getting part of the attack so you have to worry about that you have to worry about Alessandrini and Gio winding up at the same place at the same time which is the problem that Gio had with Robbie Keane if you remember and you also have to make sure that Alessandrini has the freedom to be creative and and Gio too to move around so those two it's important that they continue to develop chemistry and they did that last year and and for the most part I think they stayed out of each other's way but but uh, the Galaxy, I think, have to be cognizant of including Gio in the attack and making sure that, uh, you know, he stays on his front foot going forward. So that is, you know, this sort of creative freewheeling midfield. There can be some drawbacks to that. Uh, I guess the one good thing is Sebastian Legette, when he's in the starting lineup, I think he does tend to stay home. Uh, I think he will stay in the position where he's supposed to be. And I think that'll help sort of take uh, – take away from the crowded situations that could develop in front of the net. Yeah, you know, you, the, 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 the drawbacks of that, if I can put out a couple syllables at a time here, the drawbacks of that, of that free-flowing sort of everybody goes everywhere, is on the defensive side, Kevin. It, it's what happens whenever you turn the ball over and everybody tries to get back because there has to be people sliding into coverage for other people. So it takes a, a full understanding, almost a total football understanding, of where players are, where they're going to go, and what happens when the ball gets turned over and make sure everybody can get back and cover in their proper position. So, I mean, that is part of the learning part, learning, learning part of these things. Uh, I will say on the defensive side, I have a lot more questions for me. Uh, Rolf Felcher, Michael Ciani were my two big question marks going into this game. I, I will say this about Rolf Felcher. Uh, he looks like he's running really hard all the time, and he looks like he's running fast. Uh, it's only until somebody goes to chase him that you realize he's probably not running that fast. So this he's not a fast dude. Um, but he did have a couple overlaps in there. Um, he had a couple defensive stops. You know, over all in all, he missed he missed a really important pass that probably would have seen somebody in on goal. So you, you look at these things and say, you know, is it a preseason issue? Um, is he getting used to things? You know, or is this what we're going to see from him more and more often? Um, you know, having said that, I still feel like he is an upgrade over the LA Galaxy's right back of last year, of which there was none. So, uh, so you know, for Rolf Felcher, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of uh, wait and see and, and keep an eye on him. Um, the other part of this is Michael Ciani. And as we talked about, Ciani started over Steris. And this is really, in my mind, Kevin, the only battle 
for a starting position right now. I mean, Emmanuel Boateng is starting because Sebastian Legette is not. That's not a battle. It's just as soon as Sebastian Legette can start, he's going to go in there for Boateng, and that's just sort of it. So there's no battle there. Everywhere else I look across the field, I really don't feel like there's a battle. It's sort of set in stone. You should be able to predict the starting lineups, save for that center back's position, the second center back next to Shelvik. Um, and right now, and it flip-flopped from that RSL game, is you're seeing Michael Ciani in there. Now, uh, from all reports that I've heard from training and, and everything else, Kevin, uh, Ciani has been uh, impressing in training. Uh, he looks the part. He's in shape. He's at least as in shape as everybody else is. Um, and so that's an improvement, obviously, over what he was forced into last year, which was probably playing way sooner than he would have liked. So... You know, that's that's a good thing. But for me, there were still a lot of question marks, some misclearances, some mismarks, um, some, uh, you know, basically some uncomfortableness with the ball. He just didn't never seem settled with the ball at his feet. So all of these things that, you know, sort of adding up is is I, I think that one, nobody can predict who is going to be that second center back right now. I would have said that it was Steris at the beginning of the year. Um, and it still may end up being Steris right now, but it is Siani in that position. And we've known uh, Kevin talking about Zlatan coming in that perhaps if Zlatan did come in, the Galaxy might have to look at moving Siani or, or, or buying Siani's contract out, but he may be playing himself into staying as well as long as Zlatan doesn't come. I still think that that is probably a, a, a deal breaker for him, that they'll deal with and use Steris if they need to. Um, it, it, as uh, you know, in, in case they decide that Siani is a starter, but they'll still, I think they'll be okay and, and happy with Steris or Romney or Hilliard Arce, who had a good second half. I mean, there's there's some things here that are sort of lining up to say that if they needed to to open up a spot, they could move Siani. And I'm not sure there's a huge drop off there. Well, a couple of things. Before I forget, I want to say when you talk about the overlapping runs and that kind of stuff, you remember there was a game last year, I think it was Seattle, when they decided they were going to attack the Galaxy at the right back spot and go down that wing where Alessandrini had to wound up covering, which took him out of the offensive uh, you took him out of the attack on the offensive end because he had to hold back a little bit, and they were really able to take advantage of that right wing. Now, um, Things are different this year, though, because Perry Kitchen's there, and I, and I do think that that's going to give the Galaxy a ton of confidence going forward. I don't think Alessandrini's going to have to look over his shoulder. Uh, I think it's going to give some of the defenders that like to go forward, like Ashley Cole, I think that's going to give them some comfort. I think Perry Kitchen changes um, a lot in the way the Galaxy think about um, you know, the, the the transition from offense to defense. I think he makes things a lot easier for them. The Siani thing is interesting because Ziggy said he wants to play the ball out of the back this year. And if, if Siani continues to look uncomfortable and feel uncomfortable with the ball at his feet, that's going to be a big strike against him because as a center back, he's going to be very important in playing that ball out of the back. So um, that's one thing. Um, you know, as right now, even without uh, Zlatan, the, the Galaxy still need one more foreign spot on their roster. And there's been some talk that perhaps Ola Kamara is about to get a green card or have his status adjusted in some way. Um, if that doesn't happen, though, I think uh, Siani certainly is one that has a foreign roster spot. And, and there's already been some talk that the Galaxy might want to just buy his contract out. So I'm not surprised that he he is playing well. He played very well in the first game coming off the bench. He is playing well. I, I look at that as the Galaxy are giving him every opportunity to win this spot. The last thing you want to do is trade a guy or give up on a guy and then have him develop. And then the argument is, well, you just never gave him a chance. You didn't look close enough. So I think the Galaxy... One of the things they're doing, and, and I'm not privy to the conversations inside the club, but one of the things they're doing clearly is giving him a chance, every chance that uh, that they can to show what he's worth and what he can do before making that decision. He, he may wind up winning the spot, uh, winning the starting spot that way. 
um, you know, he's he's played well enough to do that. But the amazing thing is when you look at this Galaxy uh, defense, so you have the, the four starters, whether it's Siani or Steris, you have four guys along the back, and then you have Hilliard Arce, who did have a good game. You have Dave Romney, who um, he's going to address every game because he can play all four positions. Uh, then uh, whoever doesn't win the center back job, you know, there is going to be one of these guys who's not going to dress every week because I don't think you're going to dress three defenders for every game. I don't think three defenders are going to be part of the 18 every week. So you're going to have a really, really good defender who is going to be watching from a, a, a luxury suite, that's kind of a good problem to have, and it gives you a lot of flexibility if you need to move somebody for a roster spot or to create a, a, you know, salary cap space or, or just to uh, maybe get a, a forward or another player that you need. Uh, Galaxy are in a good position. Last year, they gave up more goals than any team in franchise history, 67. This year, they've got too many good defenders, and someone's not going to dress every week. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is going to be interesting. That I was going to say the LA Galaxy actually put 18 players on the bench for this uh, particular uh, uh, preseason friendly here with against New York City FC, which I thought was interesting to see all those. You talked about Perry Kitchen um, and how he really changes a lot of things for the LA Galaxy. I'll tell you right now, out of the first two games, uh, the best signing the LA Galaxy have made this year is Perry Kitchen uh, by far. Uh, he seems to be a, a club MVP candidate very early without playing a, a regular season game yet. So take that for what it's worth. But uh, again, dominant in the midfield, uh, not afraid to get stuck in, uh, has a little bit of Nigel de Jong in him, uh, but without probably the reputation. So I think MLS will probably leave him alone. Uh, but he's going to be he's going to be an absolute key for the L.A. Galaxy in the center of midfield right now. And he did another great job against New York City FC, uh, just just not allowing things to start. I mean, taking fouls, taking the fouls early whenever he does, um, you know, not allowing things to get get dangerous and, and tracking back and working hard to track back. And I, I think he beat uh, Jonathan Dos Santos to track back on one of them, you know, and that freed Jonathan up to actually cut into the center. And so as Perry was tracking back and and covering a, on a defensive side, uh, Do Jonathan Dos Santos was able to get into the center and actually intercept the pass whenever it came. So all these things working together. So for me, uh, Perry Kitchen has been by far the best sign in the Galaxy have made, but obviously Ola Kamara could be, I, I still believe is the most important piece of this LA Galaxy team this year and the one that if he got hurt for some reason, they'd have the most uh, difficult time trying to replace. And and that's sort of one of the things that we talked about on Thursdays. Who's the Galaxy's most important player? And I sort of define that, Kevin, as the drop between the guy who's starting and the guy who has to back them up. And and right now, that's uh, that for me is Ola Kamara because the drop-off goes into places I'm not sure you want to go. Um, or at least not for a starting spot right off the bat. You could you could possibly move some other pieces around in order to get some of the starters that are already there up into that position, but there's still a drop-off for whoever you're going to bring onto the field after that. So, um, you know, again, Perry Kitchen, Ola Kamara have been sort of the two targets and, and the two focuses of, of things that I've been watching in these preseason games. And, you know, hey, the Galaxy it got got screwed a little bit, Kevin, going down or having to play down a man. Now, um, I talked to a player afterwards uh, because I had heard that Siggy was not happy whenever he was in Tucson. He saw, I think, a San Jose and maybe a Portland game. Um, they were playing each other, and and somebody got ejected in that game. Siggy saw that and was sort of, you know, ranting a little bit and saying, hey, 
this is ridiculous. It's an MLS preseason game. He goes, we want to practice 11 v 11. He goes, seeing guys play up a man is not helping anybody out. You're not helping either team. He goes, and so I think maybe he he was ranting against the formality of some of these things. And I will say that on, on Saturday night at StubHub Center, it was actually a pretty formal affair, quote unquote, a formal affair. VAR was in effect there, Kevin. Uh, you know, full credentials in order to get into the building, all those things. So it was a it was a, a little more strict than than a preseason game, and that's why they didn't and they the the referees wouldn't allow New York City to sub on another guy and just play eleven v eleven again. It's for this formality, but. In my mind, and I think I'm with Siggy, and I was talking to a player afterwards. A player told me, he goes, you know, in the second half it was too easy, um, that it was almost not worth playing because you're looking to test these guys. And especially on that second unit, Kevin, where you have guys who are quote-unquote fighting for a place on the team – you're gonna. You want to play eleven v eleven, not you know be sitting back there and passing the ball around. You know, with a, like basically playing monkey in the middle for the last second half. And so uh, you know the play, the players, some of the players, and certainly I think Siggy Schmidt would sort of rail a little bit against the formality of the the preseason and and how MLS is trying to run some of these things. But you know maybe that's a lesson that that gets taken in into the future uh, future years. But for right now. It doesn't help. And and I'll say this as well. I had a bunch of people tweeting at me whenever I said, hey, this is useless. You really need to play 11 v 11. They were saying, you know, the Galaxy need to practice playing up a man because they didn't do so well last year. Uh, I proposed that particular you know, view to uh, to this to this player, and the player laughed and said, "We don't need to worry about that crap right now. We need to worry about you know what is happening on the field, eleven v eleven, and trying to build this team up. And eleven v eleven is how you're going to play the majority of your games. You can figure out how to worry about the odd men whenever it happens, uh, but it's not important to the players or the coaches right now, Kevin. It was important to see eleven v eleven, and maybe the Galaxy got robbed a little bit out of this uh, out of this preseason exercise." Well, monkey in the middle. I'm not even going to ask you to identify who was the guy in the middle because that's going to turn out to be very politically incorrect on your behalf. <laughs> yes, I'm sure um, it will But be. I want to go back to something you said about 45 minutes ago at the start of that rant, and that's the Perry Kitchen thing. You yeah. know, Perry Kitchen is going to continue, in my opinion, to play like this all year for a number of reasons. One is he is really motivated to prove what kind of a player he is. You know, he started at D.C. United and played there – uh, he was the most valuable player of DC United in 2013 and then went to Europe and things did not work out. You know, the first club he was with, he was team captain. Then they changed managers and he fell out of favor with the manager, went to Randers, didn't really play as much as he wanted. Um, I think he's coming over here with a huge, he won't say it, but I think he has a huge chip on his shoulder. He has said things didn't work out the way he planned, but uh, I think he looks at that as people didn't appreciate him. Um, and they didn't give him the, the, the kind of chance we're talking about with Siani. I, I think he's very disappointed in that. I think he feels like he is a European-level uh, player. Uh, I think he wants to go back there. And so I think that he is he's uh, you know really, really, really motivated to show what he can do, you know, kind of a little bit like Gio when the Mexican national team is being called in. Um, so I think you're going to see this all year. This is a guy who's only 25, and he's had quite a career already. Right. Um, He's had he has five caps with the U.S. national team. I think he's looking at that and saying, you know, Gonzalez decided to stay with Mexico. Um, I can be that holding midfielder, and he would love to show that he can do that. I, I would be really surprised if he didn't get a call up in March uh, with the national team. They had to have a couple of friendlies then. So um, Perry Kitchen, I, I think he's what you're seeing right now. I think is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, the guy is just so motivated and this season is so important to him and he knows he's within a big, the, the, the thing is, is too, he's not playing for, uh, you know, Columbus or Kansas city. He knows he's on a big club where he's going to be seen on national TV a lot. Uh, and he's going to be seen in Europe a lot. And I think, 
the exposure uh, is going to help him, but only if he plays really well. And that's why I think he's motivated to have a great season. Yeah, it, it could be. Um, he just seems like oh, I haven't got to talk to him yet. I have a feeling that we'll get to talk to him a little bit more. Um, and I've actually requested him for an interview to come on the show. So, so, so as soon as we can make that happen, we're going to do that. Uh, maybe not next week. Next week's a little crazy for the guys and everything else. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll eventually get him on the show and talk to him. I think he would be a, really interesting to talk to. Um, well, what, yeah. And one thing is, um, you know, if he does not continue to play at this level, if he, if his level of play sinks a little bit, then we're going to be talking about the talking about the kitchen sink, and we don't want to go there. Wow, wow, <laughs> yeah, you, you went with that one, did you? That was that yeah, was that was the joke. Monkey in the middle, come on. That was the joke you wanted to circle back around for, right? All right, hey, I I got it. I it, did you hear? This was a. This was a Thursday night show. I'm bringing this back up because this joke literally had me in tears, and I wanted to get—I forget who actually tweeted. Oh, it was the guys in uh, short sports, uh, guys in shorts sports podcast who uh, who I've been on their show before, and they they cover all LA sports. Uh, a really great podcast. Love all the guys. But I had been talking with Jared about the IKEA founder, right? And you heard that the IKEA founder had died. Um, so the guy who, who created Ikea and, and really came up and, and the way that he got the idea for Ikea was he saw somebody trying to move like a table and he saw them taking the legs off and he was like, oh, hey, I, we could, we could do that. We could have furniture that's all, you know, sort of flat and in in a single package and we could do all that and it makes a bunch of sense. And so, um, you know, I, I said that to Jared, Jared yelled at me for bringing the podcast down. And then, uh, the guys in shorts, uh, uh, tweeted over to me. They're like, Hey, you know, that segment where you were talking about the Ikea founder dying he goes you know somewhere in there about the ikea yeah ikea founder dying somewhere in there there's a joke but i just couldn't put it together that that's good but i also heard that the they haven't buried him yet because the coffin came missing a couple of pieces oh geez wow we're okay we're going off the the deep end fast today all right good I'm, i like it i like it we're just going to get all the really bad jokes out of the way on this episode so uh people can stop listening now i imagine uh let's see what else you know ashley cole i, I know we wanted to focus on this kevin but you have a story that you wanted to talk to certainly about uh, uh some team building that went on in tucson and i think that'll lead us into ashley cole and and the discussion there so why don't you tell everybody about that story well they had a bowling tournament when they were in tucson they, they divided everybody up and apparently the, uh, this involves ashley because he was when ziggy said they came up with the idea that he thought the idea was in in ziggy's words quoting uh, ashley that it was absolutely beautiful that they did this it was a team building thing um there were uh, uh everyone the, the, all the teams had five players uh, the team that actually won they had 714 points it comes out to i don't know what about 140 something uh a player uh, it was Jorgen, Alessandrini, a couple of G2 guys, and then Junior Gonzalez, who is one of the, the staff players, or staff people, rather. They won the tournament. Um, Ziggy said there were some people that were pretty good bowlers, and uh, about the highest anyone got was around 170. There were some players who were pretty good, and then there were some players that were awful. Uh, they did not have the the, uh, the bumpers up in the gutter, which I always need when I'm bowling. Right. But um, you, you actually never experienced anything like that in Europe before. Uh, and, uh, you know, where I guess a lot of the players kind of think they're a little bit too big to do that kind of stuff, but they just basically took over some bowling alley in Tucson, um, you know, insert your own joke there and, and divide it up into five man teams and had this tournament. And, uh, it was great. Ziggy did tell me that with so many new people on the team and so many uh, galaxy two people and the young guys like Ephraim Alvarez and others trying to find their place and figure out how to fit in and when to speak up and when not to speak up. That team building was the reason they went to Tucson. It's the reason they're going to Santa Barbara this week 
uh, and, and it's just a way for the guys to get to know each other. They don't go home to walk the dog and be with their kids. They stay together 24-7, uh, get to know each other, and this bowling tournament was part of that because, you know, when you're bowling, you really can't act like someone you're not. You can't try to be somebody you aren't when you've got a bowling ball in your hand and those goofy shoes on. So everybody enjoyed it, but the takeaway with uh, with Jorgen and Alison Drini being on the winner, winning team is apparently bowling is huge in Europe now. Oh, okay, there, there you go. So that's a, it was the Europeans who dominated, right? That's a, It makes sense. It makes some sense. Well, before we even get to the Ashley Cole news, I want to give you a little observation that I had from the locker room uh, after the LA Galaxy's uh, preseason game. So I went down to the locker room, and we talked to uh, three players. We talked to Ola Kamara, uh, Tomas Hilliard-Arce, and we talked to Baggio Husidic, but um, was certainly in the locker room and listening to uh, the guys sort of joke around and have a good time. I will tell you this, Kevin. There were a bunch of guys in there after that preseason game making plans with each other to meet up after the game and go do something. Now, you know, it's it's fairly common for the guys after games to go out and, you know, you're able to, to at least, you know, relax a little bit after the game. You usually have the next day off uh, for recovery, that type of thing. And in Germany, they actually encourage, I believe, their players to go out and drink some beer. All right? It, it's supposed to help. So, uh, so that type of thing. So maybe some of these guys are going out. But it was multiple players across different age groups. It seemed like it was a collective thing, like everybody was going to go out. And so it was nice to see, because I'll tell you one thing you didn't see last year, Kevin, was guys making plans to hang out with each other after they were done having to hang out with each other. So um, I would put the, sort of the temperature on the locker room right now and, and sort of the, the, the feeling in the locker room as ridiculously optimistic. Uh, very confident, and they all seem to like each other so far. Maybe it's because you haven't lost a game yet. There's nobody to blame. But even with all the competition, certainly that Siggy is trying to create and, and with all the players into camp and, and all these different things, right now the the mood in the locker room seems like it's jovial, fun, and very interesting, which is, well, let, which is let's good. Go, let, let's go back a little bit. I mean, it, it, is, it is huge that that happens because let's go back a couple years to the – MLS Cup winning teams with Beckham and, and Landon Donovan, um, you know, as great as those teams were, team events had to be organized. Uh, Landon was one that would do this where we are all going to this restaurant tonight or to this bar and it's mandatory and everyone has to come. That's not organic. Um, that You feel like that's homework now. You, you know, maybe you don't want to be there. Maybe you had plans or, or, or you, you know, it's your wife's birthday or whatever it is and you're ordered to come there. Um, that may be fine and the guys may have a good time, but it's not organic. And then a couple years ago, the uh, Nigel Dijon team, um, you know, and the, the Steven Gerrard team, that team was divided in three ways. And we've talked about this before. There was the old MLS guys, the young MLS guys, and the European guys. And they, they formed into cliques and, and they didn't talk across cliques. Um, and at the end of that season, there was a team dinner that was ordered. Everyone had to come, and everyone talked about how great it was to clear the air and have that happen. But again, not organic. When you have guys saying, I want to go hang out with you after the game, you know, we've spent the last four days together. I want to spend some more time with you and my other teammates. When it happens organically, and as you said, across clicks, across the age groups, um, you know, they can't take Ephraim to a bar, so they have to watch that. But <laughs> when it happens across the, the age groups and the Europeans and the, the uh, American players and all that, that is a great sign. I mean, and, and that will show in the chemistry and that will show in guys backing each other up. You know, it's I think it's fairly common. It's human nature. If there's a guy on your team that you do not like um, and there were some guys on the team last year that players did not like when that guy makes a mistake. A lot of times it's like, yeah, he, he wasn't doing the right thing. We lost because of him. The blame and the fingers get pointed. 
uh, when you guys are all teammates and you're all together, all of a sudden it's like, hey, we lost the game together. It was no one's fault. Yeah, uh, perhaps someone made a mistake, but I should have been there to cover for it. It it just changes the whole way um, the way the locker room feels, the way the players react to each other. And and Ashley Cole, as far I know, we're going to go into Ashley Cole. Go ahead. Now and, go ahead. Just just let out the news. Just go for it. Well, you already mentioned it. He has the he has the armband. He will be the captain this year. But you know, I, I, someone's going to I'm sure surface and, and tell me I'm wrong. But I don't know that there's anybody really uh, that doesn't like Ashley Cole. He seems to be very well liked in the locker room. I know a lot of the defenders talk about this guy, one of the best left backs of his generation. Totally approachable. He he's been asked by Ziggy to uh, start coaching the kids, which he was doing anyways. But start talking to some of the young players. He's been invited to come with the coaches and watch the film session. Ashley is very interested in becoming a coach, so he's sort of being tutored in that. And the Galaxy have a great reputation of doing that. When you look at all the people that have gone through there, uh, through the organization that have gone on to become great coaches. So, you know, Ashley couldn't learn in a, in a better environment. But uh, the point: everybody likes him. Everyone wants him to have the armband. Um, and, you know, he is a guy that doesn't put on airs and talk about how there have been other players from Europe that talked a lot about how great they were in Europe. You know, you don't really hear that from Ashley. He goes golfing with the other guys. He does spend a lot of time with the de- defenders, which I think is natural and, and is good for the team. Um, but the other thing with Ashley is maybe maybe he has finally got over the MLS thing. Maybe he's found a home here. I'm, I'm not sure how comfortable he was the first year, but I had a long talk with him the other day and I. I've never seen him that relaxed, that happy, that engaging. Um, he was witty. He usually he was he had one or two word uh, answers, and uh, if he didn't like a question, I wasn't sure where you were going with it. He was very apprehensive about what you were trying to get out of him. This time it was wide ranging. He talked about his girlfriend. He talked about his you know her being pregnant. Talked about his family. A lot of soccer non soccer stuff that he was very uh, reticent to talk about in the past. And I, th- I just think he's a lot more comfortable and a lot more happy. Um, uh, Z talked about giving him the armband. And, and what Ziggy said was the team allowed him to take it. He says he tries to let the team dictate without asking them. He just watches. Who do the players gravitate to? Who do the players talk to? Who do they like? And he said it, he felt as if the team, without being asked, came to him and said, okay, this is the guy who's my captain. I want this guy wearing the armband. This is the guy that I want to follow out. Um, Ziggy said that Ashley this year is totally into what they're trying to do. He's totally behind the culture. Um, You know, he likes what the team is trying to build. And um, Ashley said maybe, you know, Ashley in the same sort of conversation said, maybe the players want me to be captain. I'm not too sure. But I kind of want to lead this team and I want to do something special. Um, One thing he said about the fans, too, when I asked him, about coming back and he said that there's no way he could have retired at the end of last season because the season was so bad he didn't want his career to end that way but then and people in the podcast i'm sure will find this interesting he, he made a point of talking to the fans and he said i don't want to let them down they've been great with me and they deserve better and so that's one of the reasons he come, came back it's for the fans it's uh it's so crazy to think about where that all started with Ashley Cole and and the fact that even on this podcast you know everybody uh, including myself was like no you know Ashley Cole is washed up you don't want him he said he didn't want to come to MLS all these things you know it wasn't until we found out what the price was going to be that it started to be more palatable and now you look at the guy and ever since he joined the team has been just an amazing contributor for this LA Galaxy team he's a guy you know is going to give a hundred percent every single year and as long as his legs stay in there Kevin I mean 
mean, you, you have to imagine that he could have just as good a year as he had the year before and just as good as the year before that. I mean, and, and the way that he has everybody behind him, you look at, um, you know, he left, he left the United Kingdom and England uh, and, and people don't like him there. I think I told everybody that as I went, you know, there's lots of people who don't like Ashley Cole in, in the United Kingdom and I don't think he liked living under the spotlight in the UK as well. And everybody makes mistakes, lots of things happen, you know, I get it. Um, I can tell you that, you know, from all my dealings with Ashley Cole and Kevin, you can back me up and say, I have found a man who is uh, ridiculously smart about the game of football, which shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, is is motivated uh, and just and just knows how to be a professional, and and that's sort of what was missing in some of these guys that you've seen come to the team as of late. You had Landon Donovan, who knew what it meant to be a professional soccer player. That means he knew how to train, he knew how to show up, he knew how to do all these things, get his work in, do his extra things that he needed to do, and leave. And he and he taught that to other players. And there were so many professionals like that on those championship winning teams that you were missing some of that maybe not in 2015 but certainly in you know 2016 2017 um there were things that were missing in that and with Ashley Cole you get that consummate professional um and you get a guy who seems to be embracing being in Southern California you know I'm sure he can walk down any street in Manhattan Beach or down in downtown Los Angeles and for the most part people have no idea who he is um, and whether that's because in Hollywood we allow uh, we allow stars to just sort of live their lives a little bit better, although there's certainly people that we bug, um, but you can see that he's just comfortable here, and that is a great news for a Galaxy team who are going to be you know depending on him to be 37 year old Ashley Cole and go out there and play every single game for the most part. Uh, so it's just it seemed like the right choice last year, Kevin, and we, you and I certainly talked about it whenever Jermaine Jones showed up with the armband towards the end of last season whenever Siggy took over, and we talked about how it looked like Curtin Alfo had given the armband to Ashley Cole before he was fired and then was fired you know, just a, a couple days after that. And so you know, Ashley Cole was listed as having the armband, I think, the, for the first two or three games, and, and Jermaine Jones kept coming out with it every time. And so Siggy sort of let that happen. Here, you have the players doing it. You have the players making a decision, it seems like. It seems organic. It's the right choice by all accounts. I certainly think you and I would gauge it that way. So uh, I just see there's no downsides to this whatsoever, and the Galaxy are lucky to have Ashley Cole. And I think that's what Ziggy means when he says, I let the team choose. I think he felt like he chose last year, or Jermaine simply you know, beat Ashley up and took the armband away from him. But I think what Ziggy was saying between the lines was, I let that get out of hand last year. I, I I chose the captain and I chose the wrong guy and the players did not rally behind him. This year he's saying this is the guy the players want. And I think that's wise for Ziggy at his age and with his experience to be open to m- admitting sort of that he made a mistake and, and to put Ashley in charge. Um, D- Daniel Starris told me in talking to Ashley, and I know that Starris and Romney are two of the guys that go golfing with Ashley quite a bit, and he said that um, Ashley would tell him things about playing a defense that he had never even thought of before, never even considered. And then once he tries it on the field, it's like, oh my God, he is so. This is so obvious. This is so comfortable. Um, you know, it's, and and that's the kind of stuff that that Ashley Cole brings. You know, among many other things. And he did talk a little bit about he's the same age now as Robbie Keane when Robbie Keane's legs gave out in June. Ashley said he's a little bit concerned about that, and Ziggy said the same thing. But he said, we got Romney, and Shelvick can play over there if we need to, or, or Rolf can move over to that position. So they feel like they have a lot of depth. I think you're going to see Ashley getting a blow once in a while, especially on a hot day or when there's two games in a week. Um, you're certainly not going to see him in any U.S. Open Cup games, I wouldn't think. Right. So I think they're going to monitor his 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 time. One of the things I asked, uh, I think it was Ster- Steris and Romney both, 
you know, that one of the things with the defense is it's very important that they all talk to each other and let each other know where they are. And I said, what is, what's Ashley's thing? What does he say on the field most often? And they said, yells, cover me because he pushes forward so far. He winds up letting the guy get behind him. Um, so that's uh, that's what Ashley Cole's bringing to the team, the cover me defense. Yeah, I was going to say, welcome to the Ashley Cole uh, show here as we uh, as we wax on about how much we really like. Uh, again, um, I, you know, there's certain players that I have talked to over the years, Kevin, that I don't like. Uh, Ashley Cole is not even it, it, Ashley Cole may be one of the fa- one of my favorite players that I've ever talked to. Um, but you know, it was great. Here's a guy who's a Champions League champion. Right. Um, played for Arsenal and Chelsea, played for Roma. There, you know, it, more caps for the um, as a left back for the English national team than any player in history. Played in three World Cups. He has done everything that you can do in soccer, right? I mean, yes. The, the, yes. there is very few players in the world today that are more accomplished than Ashley Cole. And I don't know that that he gets the recognition and and the, and the uh, attention that he deserves for that. Um, and yet, last year he stood in that locker room at the end of the season, telling us. Uh, you and I and the other reporters, how embarrassed he was and and sort of taking the blame for a lot of things going on and talking about how players have to reach inside themselves and coming back this year saying, I was embarrassed by what happened last year. I mean, all due respect to MLS and, and you're listening to the show and we're doing the show because we like MLS and the Galaxy and respect that and all that. But MLS is not the English Premier League. No. It's not <laughs> Syria. Uh, it's not the World Cup. And here's a guy that's been in all those places and he's saying – at the end of my career, this is super important to me, that this team plays well and that we don't embarrass ourselves. We have seen other European players come through, and it looks like they had just finished the scrimmage and they really couldn't care one way or the other. They might say the words. Ashley felt those words. And and uh, I'm not going to mention the names of any other players. I'm sure that we can all figure out who they are. But there have been some other big players that have come through the galaxy that that mouthed the words that they were concerned about the team. Ashley really convinced me anyways that he really took that seriously. And then by coming back this year and making the point in the first interview to say, this is for the fans because last year was not a Galaxy season, um, it, it just speaks volumes. And you can see why he gets the armband and why he deserves it. Welcome to the Ashley Cole Fan Club uh, podcast. All right, uh, let's let's move on from Mr. Ashley Cole. I agree with everything you say, Kevin. And I could, I there could be an entire new like corner of the galaxy show talking talking about how much I love Ashley Cole, uh, just in, in terms of a player and, and just the respect I have for for that guy. Um, all right, let's let's move on now and and do a little housekeeping in terms of cleaning up from the, the rest of this game. Uh, Sebastian Legette did play in that second team. Kevin got 35 minutes. It was funny to hear Siggy Schmidt talk about it afterwards. Uh, one of the reporters asked him about Sebastian Legette and his time out there. And he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, I told Seba that I would give him, you know, between 25 and 30 minutes. And he goes, and here it is like the 32nd and 33rd minute. And Siggy was sort of, uh, you know, almost miming like he was rooting for Legette because he was getting so close to scoring. And he was like, maybe I should just leave him out a little bit longer. Just maybe a little bit longer. He's going to score that goal. And finally, He's like, I had to make sure that my heart wasn't going to overrule what my head was telling me. And so he had to pull uh, Sebastian Legette off. And again, this is all precautionary. There's no injury with Sebastian Legette. This is all just working back from that injury that he had last year. But he's 100% good to go. And, and I'm sure uh, uh, Sebastian Legette would have told you that he was ready to play, you know, the rest of that game, that, those final 10 minutes there. But the 35 minutes that he got um, was impressive. He was active. He was running around. I know that he got... Uh, taken out at one point and everybody uh, held their breath but uh, he survived everything was okay there and, and it's a good step for the LA Galaxy seeing Legette back out there yeah it is and uh, you know I think that he's feeling good and again fitness is the key right now uh, he talked a lot about when you have an injury to a he broke a foot he's a soccer player he broke his right foot that's his dominant foot um, when that happens the, the 
the fear that you have and, and the, you know, the concern, you start to favor that and then you start to hurt other parts of your body. He told me he doesn't even think about the foot anymore. All he needs to do is get his, his fitness back. And he's, he is behind schedule. Ziggy wanted him training by the end of the year. They thought he was going to train by the end of the season in Mm -hmm. October and he never did. Ziggy wanted them on the field before the new year. He wanted them running around in a practice that didn't happen. He didn't train until about two weeks into the new year. So he's, you know, a, a good month, if not more, behind schedule, and he's trying to catch up. But, you know, the fact that he went 35 minutes, and I think we're going to see him go uh, at least a half hour again in, in the game at the Great Park. Um, that That's all for the good, as long as he can con- continue progressing. And, and I don't think he's going to force him in there on March 4th. I think Boateng has played very well. And again, that goes back to that depth. You know, there's if Ashley Cole can't play and Dave Romney steps in, um, yeah, Dave Romney is not actually cold, but he's pretty good, and he, and he'll do okay. Ima Boateng may not be Sebastian Lejet, but he's pretty good, and he's going to do okay. And so, uh, you know, I don't think there's that need to force Sebastian Lejet in there until he's ready because you don't want him March 4th. You want him September 4th and October 4th and maybe November 4th. So I think the, the Galaxy will continue to be somewhat cautious with him. Hey, I want to get to a question now because it's going to come up right now, and I want to answer it, and then we can get to some of these other questions as well. As fact, uh, Paul Salazar and Oliver Bowles both asked sort of the same question. Talking about Bradford Jamison fourth and Ari Lasseter and why they haven't been playing in these preseason games. I can tell you uh, that I was told that both of them are injured. I don't know what the injury is yet, and they're supposed to get back to me. I will tell you on Saturday that Ari Lasseter was at the facility during that day, and Bradford Jamison fourth was not at the facility. So you can sort of understand, perhaps, by the severity of the injury, whether or not somebody would be there at the stadium or not at the stadium, and, and sort of how that all goes. So those are that's why you haven't been seeing either one of those. The other guy that was sort of interesting was, if you saw whenever Sebastian Leggett got uh, subbed out, that uh, Joao Pedro also got subbed out at 35 minutes. I'm also trying to find out if there's an injury there as well, because it wouldn't make any sense that he wouldn't be 45 minutes fit unless he's nursing something, and I imagine that is the case. Um, for the most part, the Galaxy seemed very healthy. Uh, it, it, Ari Lasseter, uh, Bradford Jameson so, sort of seemed like they might be outliers on that. Joel Pedro still played 35 minutes, so I would say that's pretty good. Um, overall, everything seems like it's going in the right direction, but uh, BJ and Ari Lasseter uh, not currently uh, able to participate with the team, and so we'll sort of keep an eye on that as it comes up to these Thursday games and the Saturday Saturday game as we go. Um, one more thing before uh, before I turn it over, Kevin, you can you can comment on any of those. I also want to point out that the LA Galaxy did have a trial list a trialist on the team and was at least on the bench did not play in this particular game but uh, Santiago Molina is a 21-year-old Argentinian who currently plays in Paraguay for uh, club uh, Cerro Porteño um, he's a 21-year-old center back would be an international slot guy uh, I don't know what the Galaxy have in mind. I don't know if they're looking at a possible Galaxy 2 for this, Kevin. But uh, nonetheless, he is trialing and training with the team, uh, and he was not with them in Tucson. So it is a, an addition after uh, after they had come back from Tucson. So that's sort of a little update there. Again, not much information. Haven't seen him play. Don't know a whole bunch of things, but uh, he's at least trialing with the club. Well, I would guess that if a guy like that coming uh, here as a trialist, you know, he may wind up on Galaxy 2, but I, I would guess that there were some assurances given to him that, um, you know, that the team was going to use him in a certain way. I just don't think he just shows up at your doorstep uh, when he has an opportunity to play elsewhere and play every week. So, uh, you know, it's kind of tough to figure out. The Galaxy um, certainly have uh, done their due diligence in scouting. And if they bring a, and, if, and if they bring a guy like, I mean, a trialist just doesn't show up. He has to be, you know, invited to, onto the field. So, 
clearly both sides have some plans there. It, it could be that they're um, showcasing him for somebody else. Maybe uh, some other team is interested and and he needs to, to be fit to do that. Um, the fact that he hasn't been in the game yet and it really hasn't been part of the, the major team rotation sort of gives an indication that he's not a guy that's going to be a, a factor at the beginning of the season if he makes the roster at all. You know, Marisa Du was in camp with LAFC and, and didn't really last more than 10 days or two weeks. So um, a trialist life is a difficult one. And uh, a lot of times the agenda that you see, as players will tell you when they're in that position, they're not trying out just for the Galaxy. They're trying out for uh, any team in the world that might be interested in someone at their position. So perhaps that's what's going on. The Galaxy being nice guys, giving him a place to train and showcase himself a little bit. Yeah, it, it could be very, uh, very interesting. Here's the, the the sort of thing and the schedule is, uh, again, I think we sort of talked about it a little bit. Um, the LA Galaxy are off on Monday as we're recording on February 12th. On February 13th, they will travel up to Santa Barbara, training on Wednesday in Santa Barbara, and then Thursday, 7.30 p.m., the LA Galaxy versus Fresno FC, a USL team, at Harder Stadium. Now, one of the, uh, the interesting or, or cool things, I'm going to say it, like one of the cool things the Galaxy are doing is the LA Galaxy are going to donate all the match proceeds to the United Way of Santa Barbara County in support of the Thomas Fire and Flood Fund. So the Galaxy will give proceeds from the match versus Fresno FC in Santa Barbara toward relief efforts for the Thomas Fire and Mudslide. And the Galaxy will also host, uh, host meet with the team and area first responders, those affected by tragedies in advance of the match. So, so something kind of cool there. Um, and then we talked about it, how the Galaxy will come back to, um, to Southern California and uh, and then I don't know. Is Santa Barbara still in Southern California, or is that does that start getting into like Central California, Kevin? What what is the ruling on the geography there? I think that's Southern California. It feels like it. I, I will agree yeah. with you. It's not it's not too far up. Well, okay. If you draw a, a line across the center of the state, it's in the southern half. So. Yeah, but we don't really have like it, I know people call it Northern and Southern, but there's a gap in between there that's sort of Central California that people would certainly call like the center. And so I just wanted to see if Santa Barbara, you know, well, I, I do think when you talk about the counties of you know San Diego County, Riverside County, L.A. County, uh, generally Santa Barbara, Ventura County is where it ends. But again, if you draw a map to the center, a uh, line through the center. California. Santa Barbara is in the, in the southern half. Through the equator of California, it is, it is in the southern hemisphere of that equator. All right, good. I'm glad we had that geography talk. Anyway, the Galaxy will come back and play on Saturday against the San Jose Earthquakes. Here's the interesting thing. Tur talking to Siggy Schmidt in the postgame press conference after the Galaxy's 3-0 win over New York City, Siggy said that the guys would definitely be looking at possibly going 75, 80, even 90 minutes in the next game. That it is about looking for full game fitness coming up here uh, with still one percent season game after this San Jose game that they're going to play. So uh, things are starting to build towards that full team. So if you're going to push guys the 75, 80, 90 minutes, you could very well see something like a second team play almost a full game uh, up in uh, Santa Barbara, and then you'd see the first team play a full game down at the Orange County Gray Park on Saturday against San Jose. So those are the things that you need to watch for. If they play all the starters on Thursday, um, then you're probably not going to see the starters on Saturday. Uh, so sort of we have to keep an eye on that. And granted, I don't think right now, Kevin, there's nothing on the schedule that I see that says that that game up in Santa Barbara is going to be streamed. Um, so I, this one may be one of those uh, one of those dark uh, games that nobody gets to watch and you sort of have to follow via updates uh, on Twitter. I will not be there. Uh, I don't think you're going to be there. So it's going to be one of those that is sort of uh, left uh, left out in the dark a little bit. By the way, Wikipedia says Santa Barbara is on the central coast. So, so set central, central, but sent, yeah, central coast. But it's it's a south facing beach. It's the longest south facing beach uh, on the west coast. There's a lot. So of, it's 
there's, there's a, a lot, lot going on here. Okay, I understand. You know what? We'll we'll have to open up the Corner of the Galaxy Geography podcast next. We have we're going to do an Ashley Cole fan fanboy podcast. Now we can do the uh, the Corner of the Galaxy Geography. Hey, we could ask Ashley Cole Ashley Cole what he thinks of the beaches in Santa Barbara. There we go. If he likes if what here where he thinks Santa Barbara is as well. So but, let's. By, by the way, another uh, you know uh, talking about Ashley Cole again. We haven't spoken about him about him in thirty seconds or so. He did tell me you know he got a lot of heat for that comment about not wanting to come to MLS because he wasn't ready to to relax on the beaches. He did tell me at the end of the interview, and he made a point of telling me this. He said he still hasn't seen the beaches. <laughs> he still hasn't. I don't. So, be- I, I, I mean, don't that, believe that, that. That just tells you I think how much more comfortable he is at the beginning. The first year, if you had asked him that question, he would have. He may have answered it, but he would have stared at you, and he would have been very upset. Right now, he brings it up with a laugh. So I think he's very relaxed and comfortable here. Well, I, I mean, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly on that. And it's good to know that Santa Barbara's technically in the Central Coast. So I was. I, I guess I was right a little bit there. So however, however that works. South South Central California. South, South. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so that's sort of the, the schedule for the LA Galaxy. They will then have Sunday and Monday off again of next week. So just sort of keep that in your back pocket as you understand how the Galaxy are moving towards that game against Vancouver coming up on, let's see, the 24th, Kevin? Did I guess that right? I think I guessed it. Seven days from the 17th should be the 24th, so it should be the that next Saturday. Right. Yeah, so, uh, so February 24th when the Galaxy would do that final preseason game, or at least the final one that's on the schedule right now. Now, don't know if they play, you know, a, a mixed one in there somewhere. They play UCLA or they do something else like that because a lot of times they play these little scrimmages um, before the season starts. So all these things certainly counting down. Uh, do you want to get to some uh, some listener questions, Kevin, before we go into our housekeeping mode, which I imagine will be a little lengthy today as well? Why are we going to be lengthy on housekeeping? Well, because I want to make sure that everybody, again, has heard now for the 30th time about the Corner of the Galaxy open house. It is, by, it, is, it is coming up rather quickly. By the way, do you know that South Florida University is in Tampa and Central Florida University is in Orlando? They are essentially the same, you know, the same part of the state. They're uh, separated by about 60 miles. So Santa Barbara can be both South and Central if University of Central Florida and South Florida University can both be in the same geographic region. I just, I just want to clear that up. Things you didn't know. All right. Uh, Edward Campos uh, writes in on Twitter. He says, uh, do you feel like the Zlatan deal has fallen through, Kevin? And Eduardo would also like to remind us, and and very kindly so, he says, P.S. Don't forget about the birthday shots on Saturday, fellas. So I guess you and I are still on on that one for the open house. So uh, Eduardo seems like he's coming. Uh, Okay, Zlatan. Zlatan update. Uh, I've heard nothing, Kevin. It is crickets. Uh, Good or bad? Well, first of all, I hope the shots are shots of espresso at that time in the morning. Yes. As far as Zlatan, um, you know, it was a frenzy of activity. And that's what it was last year and the year before that, a frenzy of news and activity. And, and everyone was rushing to the airport to welcome him. And then all of a sudden, it just dropped off. Do you remember there was a report? The contract was signed three weeks ago. Yes. He's out sh- shooting wild boar in Montenegro, getting ready to come over. Um, and then uh, Jose Mourinho said he hadn't heard anything about it. And that seemed to be sort of more to the truth. Um, you know, we know that Zlatan is working out at the Manchester United facility. Um, I, he still wants to, I think, be on a Champions League winner, and uh, uh, Manchester United is still in the Champions League. And his contract is good until May. So um, certainly he could work out a financial deal where he would leave, but I, I, I think he probably feels like, why rush it? It's only four months. I, I think conversation 
conversations are still going on. I don't think he's anything is imminent, and I would not be surprised if he comes. And that's a big F because we've been down this road the last two years, and again, it was like they were picking out uniforms for him. Um, if he comes, I would not be surprised at all if it wasn't until June or July. Yeah, it might be. I will say the other thing is that the reports out there at one point said that he would be coming in March, and so we're 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 not quite in March yet either. Um, the transfer window technically opened in Major League Soccer on February 7th, and this was another question from uh, from uh, one of our Twitter accounts, IE Galaxy, who uh, who has at LAG fans IE from the Inland Empire, and uh, and they asked when does the MLS transfer window start? Uh, it was open on February 7th, and that primary transfer window, uh, which is this first transfer window, will go until May 1st, 2018, and that closes at 12 p.m. Eastern time. So still plenty. Plenty of times to bring in players, to move things around, to do that stuff. Um, but yeah, I will say that you know we're all that we're at one time everything was uh, hot on fire and and there was you know blazing there. Uh, everything's gone pretty quiet and pretty cold. Uh, doesn't mean it's not happening, but certainly if you wanted to sort of lean in one direction or the other, I would have to lean in the direction of it not happening, Kevin, um, which is disappointing because now it seems that there was interest from the LA Galaxy both times, and it seems that if they don't get Zlatan this time, that it was probably a failure on their part, or that Zlatan never had any interest whatsoever of coming to Major League Soccer. It, it, I, le- yeah. I, I think he does have some interest. I, I, I think um, he likes to hear himself talk a lot. Um, remember, all of these, all these rumors, all the talk is coming from Europe. It's not coming from the Galaxy. If you ask the Galaxy, they will um, be very cryptic. The, there's, there, there's no sound bites coming out of them. It's nothing like, yeah, we're expecting him to come. Even Ziggy's been very cautious, saying if it happens, we'll address it when it happens. Um, so all the talk and all the rumors are coming from Europe, uh, mainly from Zlatan's agent. And so you have to wonder a little bit. I mean, it worked twice. He twice got contracts at Manchester United because of all the chatter. And, and the the belief that he might sometime come to MLS, I think, helped him. So uh, you, this chatter has been self-serving uh, for Zlatan. And, and, and uh, I, I just wonder, it's happened before. I'm wondering if, if he's playing the Galaxy a little bit. Uh, hold them out there. It's very viable. You know, a team in Europe will look at that and say, yes, Gerard went there. Uh, David Beckham went there. Ashley Cole, that was young. Yeah, that could be a place where a guy like Zlatan could – could end up in Hollywood and everything else. We better offer him a good contract. So it's succeeded for him. Uh, I just, uh, I'm just a little concerned. Maybe the Galaxy are getting played on this one because you're not hearing any of this rumors coming from their side. I do believe that they made some offers. I do believe that they were sincere, and I do believe that they were good offers. Um, and it just, you know, their interest has not been uh, um, um, has not been acknowledged. I guess uh, by the other side. So. I just fear that perhaps these rumors are going nowhere once again. It's not the Galaxy's fault. This is one where I'm going to be totally on Chris Klein's side because uh, I think that he has done his due diligence and I think he's played this the right way. And the other side just doesn't want to actually tie the knot because they're using the they're using talk of the galaxy for their own ends. Yeah, it, it very well could be that. So that's that. Uh, let's see. There was another question on here um, from let's see from Oliver Bowles. He, he asked for the BJ and and Lasseter update. He also asked for an allocation order update. All right. So from what I can find and what I have there is the LA Galaxy still sit in that number two allocation position, but it's still expected. I believe that Orlando is going to use Orlando traded with Dallas and Orlando now 
has the number one. I still believe it is it is going to be that Orlando is going to use that allocation spot on somebody, and I don't think that they have yet because it's certainly not updated on the uh, on the current tracker. Um, so the Galaxy either sit one or two right now, um, and that's it. So at, at worst, they sit behind Orlando, and Orlando apparently already has a target that they're going to use on that because otherwise, why trade in that position? And if they have already used it, then the Galaxy sit in the number one spot. The worst case is the Galaxy sit in the number two allocation order ranking whenever that all comes up as well. All right, so there's sort of the uh, the update. Let's see, we covered that. Do you have anything else to add to that, Mr. Kevin Baxter? I, I do not. Okay, good. Just checking. Surpri- I surprisingly. I just wanted to make sure that we were on the same page here. I'm gonna cl- I'm gonna go through Twitter one more time here. Um, okay, here we go. Here's Noah. At, uh, at Noah Thomas says, if Giovanni Dos Santos doesn't produce this year, is he gone next season, or does Jonathan Dos Santos still being here change things? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've always assumed that with Jonathan and Gio together, it would be difficult to move one without the other. I'm not completely convinced that if Gio doesn't do something here, Kevin, in 2018, isn't the $5.5 million player the Galaxy expecting to be that there could be a move on that front and that they could keep just Jonathan Dos Santos. I just didn't think that was possible this year. At the end of this year, if things go through, I mean, certainly we'd have to we'd have to stay and sort of figure out what that actually means uh, throughout the season. But could it happen? I would say I wouldn't rule it uh, uh, completely out. I still think it would be difficult. Well, I think this is an important first half year uh, for Gio. Um, you know, I know we talk a lot about it. It's going to be almost a cliche that he plays well when he's trying to uh, curry favor with the Mexican national team. I, I don't know if that's a conscious decision, but when you look at the history, it certainly appears to be that way, um, that when he's playing for a spot on the Mexican national team, he plays much better. Well, the World Cup ends in July. When he comes back from that, that'll be a real test. I mean, he may come back really fit, really feeling good. Uh, and uh, just having a great time, and he may go out there and play very well. Or he could completely go the other direction and say, hey, the World Cup's over. We don't have a major tournament with Mexico for another year. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't need to work that hard. It depends on what Gio shows up. I mean, when he's when he's motivated and 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 uh, and paying attention, he's extremely talented. And, uh, you know, I think if the team's going really well and, and with all this camaraderie, I do think – Gio is a social guy. I think he feeds off that. And if everyone's having a good time, I think Gio's going to be want to want to be part of the party. But this is a key year for him, and I, I don't know that they break them up unless there's some sort of split between the two brothers, where Jonathan says, "You know what? You're not with the program here. We got a great team. This is a lot of fun. Come join the party." Um, and if the Galaxy decide that the, it's worth carrying him and that that salary, then I think everything will be fine. I do I do still see them as as sort of. A, joined at the hip and if one goes the other one has to go at least now now that again the salary may change at the end of this year and they may decide that um they need to get rid of geo to free up some salary space for somebody else and if that means jonathan has to move too well you know what they have perry kitchen and they're loaded in the midfield so uh, i could see it going either way if geo plays well and, and play and is motivated and and starts to click with with kamara um he could be a very valuable player um, but the salary is so high. I think he's really going to have to earn his keep, and the midfield is a place where it's loaded. So all of a sudden, Jonathan may not be the the super uh, indispensable player that perhaps he wants to be or maybe thinks he is. Yeah, it, it, it will be interesting to see how it goes. Somebody asked us um, if we would. Here we go. Here's uh, Shane. Shane says, would you trade Gio for Zlatan right now if you could, Kevin? Would you pull the trigger? Would you get Zlatan in? Would you send Gio out? I, I would not, mainly because, again, I'm going to go back to they have a great locker room right now, and, I, and I'm hoping someone's thinking about that. You talked about the guys going out uh, and, and hanging out together and having beers together and following Ashley Cole on the field. 
Does Salatan do any of that? No, he doesn't. Um, does Salatan um, sort of um, concede the the space in the locker room to add to Ashley Cole's sort of quiet leadership? No, he doesn't. He doesn't do any of that. Um, Agil, for all of his faults and all of his strengths, is not a guy who needs to be in the middle of the room controlling the conversation and, and running the team. So I think he fits in well in that regard. I would not simply be and, – and first, you know, Zlatan's 36 coming off a couple of uh, fairly serious injuries. So I, I don't know that he contributes onto the field enough to make uh, the the other sort of negative things worth it. I, I just really like the way the chemistry on this team is right now, and I'm a really big believer in that. I've just seen it take bad teams and other sports and make them into winners, um, and I think it, it this is not a bad team, and I think the commodity is really helping, and I, I just think Zlatan just blows that up. Yeah, so I would not. I would not trade Gio for him. I would not. I wouldn't do it either, and I would never make that argument. I personally, for me, Giovanni dos Santos has showed up in in sort of all of these preseason games so far. I know you haven't seen him score a whole bunch of goals, um, but he's been involved. He's been involved with the build up. I, I like to see him engaged. He seems like he is engaged. So so seeing all that stuff, why would why would you trade? You know, for for uh, a guy who's coming off serious injuries. I've said it all along. Zlatan's not an everyday starter. So uh, Giovanni dos Santos for all of his faults at $5.5 million can still be a huge asset to this LA Galaxy team. If he's scoring goals, if Ola Kamara is scoring goals, if Roman Alessandrini is scoring goals, if you get Sebastian Legette, Jonathan Dos Santos in there, if all of these score guys can score goals, even on a semi-regular basis, Kevin, just enough so that way everybody has to worry about them. You look at the front six and what it could do. It's a dangerous front six. And if you can start getting offensive production from each of those guys, it's, it's a very dangerous team. It starts being dangerous offensively. I still have question marks defensively. Perry Kitchen certainly helps out with those defensive question marks. Uh, I still want to see how that back line comes together, especially uh, with David Bingham in goal as well. That is really the rebuild process for me is that partic- those particular guys there. So I would not trade Giovanni Dos Santos for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And I agree with you that the chemistry that the Galaxy have right now, the locker room that the Galaxy have right now could be a defining factor in their success if they end up having a lot of success in 20. 2018, um, would I bring Zlatan in to be a super sub? I still would. So that's the sort of the difference there is. I just not going to count. You can't trade an everyday starter like Giovanni Dos Santos for somebody like uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, in my opinion. And I know that's going against a whole bunch of people who really don't like Giovanni Dos Santos. Well, you know, the, the team before with Ashley Cole, or rather with, with Robbie Keane, and then when Gerard came in, it, it was they were big and brassy and they were loud. And, you know, Robbie Keane was always uh, – uh, Robbie Keane was a great player and, you know, a pretty good guy in, in, in my dealings with him. Um, but but he was very confident and very outspoken, talked about, you know, how he could score on anybody. And, uh, you know, uh, that's what made him good, that confidence and, and that, um, uh, you know – just just the way he carried himself on the field but they were very much sort of loud and 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 in your face they were kind of like acdc and now you sort of have a haircut 100 team you know with ashley cole it's a little bit more quiet a little bit reserved they just go out and do what they need to do and they don't talk a lot about it it just happens uh and it's a lot of time comes in and changes that now you got a little bit of acdc trying to play with haircut 100 and that's not going to be a very good sound I know I've heard of ACDC. I have no idea what you're talking about with Haircut 100. And I think you've once Google again it. dated it. yourself. I'll Spotify it on the way home, perhaps. Maybe that'll that'll be my, my homework. All right. Uh, let's see. I don't think there's any more questions, but I do, of course, want to get and want to point out uh, that coming up on Saturday, before the LA Galaxy host the San Jose Earthquakes, it's at Orange County Great Park, that Mr. Kevin Baxter... Uh, myself, uh, Wendy Thomas, possibly Jared Dubois, uh, and perhaps a special guest, 
uh, as well. I, I, as a matter of fact, I, I even blew the whole top. The, the real big get for us here, Kevin, is that Cosmo, uh, Cosmo the alien. Uh, Cosmo's coming. Cosmo is coming. He will be here in the studio with us for our open house, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. We have, I have in my possession right now, I was lucky enough to pick up a signed LA Galaxy jersey. Now, uh, they gave me a 2015, uh, yeah, was that right? Yeah, it's a 2015 signed LA Galaxy jersey. They don't have like any more of these. They're not going out. This was one of the last couple ones that they had. So I have a 2015 signed LA Galaxy jersey that we will raffle off here at Corner of the Galaxy Studios. Uh, all the raffle money gained from that, of course, will go to benefit the Galaxy Foundation. We'll have members of the Star Squad here as well. Um, so I was talking with people on Saturday about that. So Star Squad will be here. Cosmo will be here. Kevin Baxter will be here. I heard Larry Morgan not on Twitter will, will could possibly stop by as well. Um, so there's a lot of people who should be here to say hi to you um, and sort of hang out with you for those three hours. So um, and a couple of sets will be played by Haircut 100. They're gonna make their um, Orange County uh, debut. They're probably dead. I'm guessing they're probably dead. But if they're no, alive. They, 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 they were they they were formed in the 1980s. They're oh, okay. probably some of them are are still around. By the way, when you talk about Cosmo coming and you talk about me coming, yes, have you ever seen Cosmo and I in the same place together? No, I have. This is one think, of the theories. Think a little bit about that. Yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'm this, just saying. I'm this, just saying. Uh, we'll provide drinks, uh, some some beverages in the morning. I think we're gonna have some coffee. Shots. We yeah. have some shots. And part that you and I will have birthday shots. That, that should do. That should do well. But you'll be able to come into the studio and see it. Listen, our studio is not big. It's not huge. It's not you know extravagant or anything like that, but we're going to put all of these people in one place that way you can uh, talk to everybody and we're going to try to do a Q&A session as well where you can ask us about podcasting or about the galaxy. Uh, you can ask us how the podcast started if you're really interested in that and have like 45 minutes to listen to the start of that but really we just wanted to thank you all your listeners for uh, for listening to us and supporting us and uh, I don't know, this could be breaking news. So breaking news right now for the LA Galaxy um, or not for the LA Galaxy, but for Corner of the Galaxy. I was going to see if I had my my news call on here just to make things like so much fun. No, there's no fun news call at all. I don't get to have any fun anyway. Um, but the the sort of the big news is that I did get the tracking number for the Corner of the Galaxy stars scarves being sent to us right now. Uh, they should arrive on Thursday, which gives us a full day basically for it to be messed up and them still to be arrived. So that will be your first opportunity to buy the Corner of the Galaxy scarf. First one we've ever done, Kevin. High quality from Roughneck Scarves because we don't skimp any corners here. Uh, $25 each for those, um, and so we can't wait to see you out here on Saturday. All the information, all that stuff you need to know is on the website, cornerofthegalaxy.com. Go to our open house uh, article there. It'll give you a map. It'll give you directions. Uh, all those fun things will be right there for you so that way we can see you. 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Uh, the game for the LA Galaxy against the San Jose Earthquakes starts at 2 at the Orange County Great Park. All right? How are we doing with the uh, tote bags? They're going to be there? No tote bags. Darn. Oh, man. Just missed out on those tote bags. One of these days. You know, we could probably do tote bags because those are w those things that they give out at conventions that nobody ever wants. No, I'm thinking that the, the, the NPR angle, you know, like for listeners like me. By the way, the guy who I couldn't remember. The Chubb Foundation. The guy who I couldn't remember. We were talking about the Schweddy Balls. Right, the NPR thing. Do you remember that at all? Last week, where I couldn't remember who the actor was on Saturday Night Live, who was who was the famous sweaty balls. No, unfortunately, I do remember that. Okay, yes. yeah, you do remember that. Okay, Alec Baldwin, by the way, because um, I'm a moron. Uh, and by the way, thank you for all the people who emailed me, tweeted, texted, and and basically called me on the phone to tell me I was an idiot about that. You're right. When the microphone gets in front of my face, Kevin, I get a lot a lot stupider. Uh, that's absolutely happens all the time. I so, can't believe you never heard of Haircut 100. 
maybe I'm sure I've heard some songs of theirs. I just it just doesn't ring any bells. I don't I didn't say, oh man, yeah, they were my favorite. No. Well, it was a new wave jazz funk group. It was in the 1980s and in uh, formed in a suburb of London, and that's why I say that they perfectly mimic the mood in the clubhouse now as opposed to the ACDC times of the past and perhaps of the future. The fact that it was a jazz funk amalgamation sort of lost me there somewhere in in, in the ether, I, I imagine. All right, we're done. I don't want to talk anymore. Are, are you good? Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? Do you want to tell everybody what, you, what that you're going to be here on Saturday so they can hear it from I'm you? I'm going to be there. I'm driving across the country in my white Beamer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm keeping it. I'm, I'm leaving Raleigh with the Beamer. I'm not getting on the United flight. I'm keeping the Beamer. Not to pull the curtain completely you know, out from behind you there, Kevin, but you were telling me how difficult it was to operate that car because it was very techy and you didn't yeah, quite yet. Yeah, they, they way overthought this. They, you know, they, they had to justify <laughs> that big price tag. I will be there in the blue Man City mobile. Sounds like a great, great time. Again, uh, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Saturday, February 17th, ahead of the LA Galaxy's uh, preseason scrimmage at the Orange County Gray Park with the San Jose earthquakes all right uh anything else kevin you good i am good all right if you're looking for mr kevin baxter you of course can find him at kbaxter11 on twitter and then please head over to latimes.com where he writes and does a wonderful job covering the kings covering drag racing covering the la galaxy lafc all the soccer he can possibly muster into his articles on the la times so please go over there and follow his writing if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast, uh, cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can find all the details on our open house. We'll see you on Saturday uh, and all of our podcasts, all that fun stuff. We cannot wait on Saturday. I am excited. We will have another show on Thursday, live show on Thursday, so still have that coming for you uh, very, very shortly as well. All right. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.